And again, I think a key part of that, Dave, is that our culture has been so successful in schooling us into thinking that this is a this is a women's issue, pure and simple, okay? This is a women's issue. And of course, most ministers tend to be male, whether that's some theological conviction or whether it's just the way the church is. So most ministers tend to be male. And, you know, so they are going to be very wary, very reticent of standing up in the pulpit and addressing themselves to this women's issue. Well, thank you for, for joining me today. For those listening in, uh, let me just uh, frame this uh, discussion for you guys. Um, if you've been following the podcast, you'll know that uh, we have been, we've just started this new series, uh, kind of apologetics training, really. We had tutorials one and two, uh, looking at how we can make the case for life. And we're going to be continuing that series, uh, but we're punctuating it with other uh, bits and bobs along the way. Uh, for various reasons. So so today we're pressing pause on that a little tutorial series uh, and we'll pick that up again in, in one or two weeks time. Uh, and today I'm joined here by by Tim. Now Tim, you are um you've got an exciting new job, haven't you? I have Dave, yes. I mean the, the <laughs> so colleagues am, aren't much to go by, but you know, the, the the job itself. Tell us what is your what's your new job? Well so so I'm working just today week really, but working with Brefos as Brefos is church network and theology lead which i think sounds very um very official glamorous title really um it took a long time to come up with as well didn't it but uh, <laughs> it's all about the glamour here so, yeah <laughs> yeah so so i think it, essentially what that means and, and do feel free to correct me but i so i guess there's two parts to that role there's the church networking so so part of what brefos does of course is is speaking churches up and down the country up and down uh, the UK, and and so part of that is 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 helping to speak in churches, helping Christians to be well to understand the reality of abortion and to be equipped to advocate for the unborn child, and also of course when we go into churches, if there is a bit of a pro life work in that area to to help signpost uh, interested uh, Christians to that work, uh, feed them into other pro life networks. Obviously, I'm based in in Yorkshire. Um, we haven't got any snow at the moment, but I'll, I'll keep you posted. So, so hopefully, the idea is that I can do a bit more of that in the north of the country, uh, and you're a bit further south uh, and towards the east, I guess. And then there is also a team of of, of uh, Brefos Church speakers, which is brilliant, uh, dotted around all over the UK. So, so there's a little bit of that going on. Uh, the theology, then the theology sort of bit, I guess, is um, so I'm I'm doing a PhD as well. We might we might talk a bit more about that in a moment but looking at actually what the bible teaches about the unborn child sort of all the way through from genesis to revelation and so i guess i guess part of what i'm hoping to do is uh and what breathless is hoping that i do is to produce a bit of content really um so we did a we did a podcast ourselves actually not so long ago a few months ago on a little bit of a whistle stop tour of some of the key scriptures on that on that basis but also producing some other content maybe articles maybe other podcasts on the unborn child in the bible what the Bible says about abortion and, and those related issues, really, um, as well as trying to connect where possible as well to make forge some other links with with maybe theological colleges, with theological training courses across the UK, um, you know, with a view to helping the sort of next generation of, of pastors, ministers, vicars or whatever, get their head around this reality of abortion and how it affects uh, so many people in the UK. You know, we often say, don't we, by the time uh, a woman is 45, one in three 
will have had at least one abortion. So it's a massive issue for our country and for the church and kind of getting to grips with, you know, we need all sort of, we need as many kind of things going on as we can really to, to, to impact the church for that cause. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Lots, lots to revisit there. Um, and, and for those listening in, you know, especially pastors, uh, this episode really is is for you um, and and those involved in theological colleges, uh, but also those who are just members of churches, um, because uh, you know it's interesting. I had a, 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 an experience just last week, Tim. I was I was at uh, J. John's Evangelist Conference, as you know, and um, oh yeah. We had a terrific time there. Wonderful conference. I mean, I've literally, I've got my notebook here. I've got an A4 notebook, uh, five pages worth of handwritten notes. And my handwriting is pretty small. So it was a very rich conference. But there was an interesting moment where uh, they have something called the marketplace and everyone can stand up and, and you've got two minutes and there's, a, there's a, a timer and two sort of stand up comedian evangelists who are absolutely savage, you know, if you if you overstep the two minutes. So you're you're kind of, you're there um with two minutes and nothing more um to share and so I, I i did my bit and uh it's just the idea is just to introduce your ministry what you're up to how people can help you how you can help them and it's it's, it's fantastic hearing all these different ministries that the lord has given different people now in my two minutes uh i managed to pack a fair bit in but i i, I asked for a quick show of hands about i'd say 200 evangelists there and i just asked how many people have ever heard teaching on abortion in their church now as a quick show of hands this is not particularly scientific but i would estimate out of those 200 there might have been 20 hands gone up definitely wasn't anywhere near half and these are uh yeah by and large these are people these are evangelists right so they're from churches generally that that at least you know believe the gospel preach the gospel uh believe in evangelism that you know all that's a fairly um orthodox evangelical sort of bunch and a minority a small minority had ever had teaching in their churches on on abortion and really that's fundamentally why we exist um you know if churches were already teaching uh, adequately and sufficiently on abortion we wouldn't need to exist so that's why we exist, and that's why that, that's why your your role exists that's why you're doing this and so for those listening in be they pastors or be they those who are being pastored, um, Tim is here for you. We, we, we want you to, you know, I want to introduce Tim to you guys, want you to know that he's available uh, to come and speak, to help your churches teach on abortion. Uh, there is such um, a need. So, yeah, thank you, Tim. Thanks for what you're doing. It's a real answer to prayer, certainly at my end, and, uh, and exciting. So, Tell us a little bit uh, then about your background. Obviously, we, we've done a, a pod already together on, on the stuff you're doing now, on, on, on the unborn child, sure. the Bible, and so on. But just just give us a bit of a, you know, where, where did you come from before this? Tell us a bit about your experiences or pastoral uh, ministry, sure. that sort of thing. Sure. Where did you find me? Yeah. I mean, I was just, just going to say on that stat, first of all, I think 10%. I think that's pretty good. I, I mean, from what I from what I know anecdotally, Dave, that, you know, 10%, I would... I would mm. bite your hand off for ten percent mm. right now if that was uh, the figure offered. But yeah, I agree, it's very, very low comparatively. But I think that is a genuine reflection of where we are. That that you know, a lot of church leaders sadly don't want to touch this issue with a barge pole, if I can use that kind of mm. terminology. But but yeah, sure. Um. So 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 yeah. So I was um. Uh, up until last summer, really, I was working uh, working for a church. Uh, 
in Harrogate here. Uh, that was actually an independent church, but but my background is really more Church of England. So I grew up in this sort of Anglican uh, church, I'd say sort of mildly evangelical Anglican church. Um, and then really, and sort of drifted away from faith uh, in my sort of teenage years, sixth form kind of time, and 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 sort of came back subsequently. Um, especially university was an important time, and and a bit of a long um, rambling story. But ended up at, at theology. Uh, sorry, ended up studying theology first, um, and then ended up training for for ministry uh, through the Church of England. So, so yeah. So I was in in churches, a couple of churches in Bradford, um, Anglican churches in Bradford, uh, what's now Leeds Diocese, uh, and then sort of six years ago uh, moved to, to Harrogate, um, and then. I guess the thing that that sort of started me off on this journey, if you like, is, um, well, I, sp I suppose you came to speak at MCC, didn't you, Dave? Mm -hmm. and, I, and I can't actually think when that was exactly, but... Um, Probably about four years ago, I guess. Three, three, yeah, three or four so, years ago. so a few years ago. So we had a, we have got a great uh, lady in our church uh, who is very strongly into pro-life um, work, and, and I believe she invited... Uh, you and managed to get the elders to agree to that, which was great. So, um, so you came and spoke, and 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 that was great. That was, I suppose, the first my first real interaction with Breathos and and obviously the wider movement CBR and stuff. Um, I mean, prior to that, I had been very much pro life, but but I think it was really that was a really eye opener for me in terms of you know what is the UK evangelical church particularly doing on this issue how are they you know what is the plan for the mm. for the 200,000 plus unborn children being killed every year so so that introduced me obviously to your ministry uh, to Brefos itself and I think subsequently as well I, I, I've watched online some of the content from one of the pastor's conferences I, I can't remember which one exactly but it was there was certainly uh, Matt Cliff in there who was speaking about you know the lack of engagement of the UK evangelical church um and and that planted some seeds as well as what you'd done so i suppose i've got you and matt cliff to, to blame for a lot of uh, what happened afterwards and and one of the things matt was talking about was was you know just the limited involvement and also the limited engagement on a kind of theological level i guess and so that certainly got the ball rolling on, on what i've ended up doing in, in terms of study which is as I say, I'm, I'm I'm doing a PhD remotely through a place in, in in Belfast, actually, but on developing a biblical theology of the unborn child. So, so the, although the PhD is not about abortion per se, um, as you know, as, as John Stott famously said, you can't understand abortion unless you understand the unborn child correctly. So, yeah. so what I'm trying to do, and, and and the PhD really is a means to an end in that, Dave, in, in that to produce some kind of book or whatever to to help the church to to help inform contribute to the thinking of the church particularly here in the uk you know there's a bit more going on across the pond of course but but here in the uk church uh, even as i say those good evangelical churches we might call them there's very little uh, i guess so so yeah so that's kind of how i came to to start the phd and of course so my role with breathos it does dovetail quite nicely really with with what i'm doing and, and trying to connect some of that more academic stuff i guess with with where christians are at in their day-to-day -day life helping them understand the issues helping them to see why this is you know this is not some niche niche issue for uh, a small segment of, of of enthusiasts or fanatics um but is part of the gospel part of the you know part of what the bible has to say about humanity yeah uh, human life and, and everything else really so 
Brilliant. I just want to um, pick up on one thing you mentioned there, which was the the, the lady in your church who kind of got mm. the ball rolling. And, and I just want to take the time to acknowledge her and people like her, because I think it's very easy for people to think, well, my church isn't teaching about abortion and, well, I'm not the pastor, so what can I do? But actually, uh, I could think of church after church after church after church where the reason anything happened was because of someone like that lady, and I, I know who you're talking about, um, uh, actually being a sort of, I, I don't know, I, I almost want to call them sort of, you know, gadflies for the gospel. You know, they, they sort of, they, they're, they're sort of, and I don't mean this in a pejorative, and, it, and it's not about how they do it, but it's almost like an irrit. It's a kind of, it's it's sort of instead of allowing the status quo to maintain to sort of remain forever, they're the ones who are you know writing a letter to their pastor, requesting a meet up, uh, asking you know have you seen this? Have you thought about this issue? Can we hear some teaching on this issue? And the ones I know have done it you know, really respectfully and patiently and prayerfully and graciously, you know, with with all necessary you know respect for their leadership um but of course respect for leadership doesn't mean you never you know um request things or or, or suggest things and um i just want to say to anyone listening and who isn't a pastor although in a sense this episode is aimed at pastors for those who aren't pastors you can make such a difference um by being a prayerful persistent uh presence in your church and and i think it's the reason why i've actually managed to get into most churches is that there's been someone Sure. in the congregation yeah. who's had a heart yeah. for this and prayerfully they've they've managed to kind of persevere and, and see and see then the whole church um uh taught on this issue and then and then of course things flow from that so um so yeah do 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 sort of take that to heart people if you're not a pastor you can still really bring about a, an amazing change with god's help in your church I think a hundred percent. And I mean, let's give her a shout, Sarah. God thank bless you. Sarah. you. Uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for all you do and all you are doing still very much yeah. in, in, in the North Yorkshire sort of pro-life scene. I mean, yeah. And, and I think obviously Dave, uh, a request from someone within the church, you know, a much loved and well-respected church member is inevitably going to have more clout than an email out the blue yeah. from some weirdo they've never met, you know, yeah. um, so, so yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I would hundred percent, um, yes, appeal to to passionate pro life Christians to to please speak to your ministers because, yeah, j j just for all those reasons you've you've outlined already. There. I mean, we've, if we if we talk about the pro life movement being about advocating for the unborn child, well, really, you are Breathos's advocates in the local church to, to to get us a sort of a foot in the door to get us just a hearing. Um, because this is it is such a no-go area it is such a sort of taboo subject and it and it shouldn't be really it doesn't need to be mm. but but yeah 100 percent. we we can't change that if we never get to speak in churches if it's yeah. never preached on and if it yeah. is only sort of what you say 10 percent of that's 10 percent of the most active churches then you know it, it's even less likely um smaller minority around the rest of the church scene so yeah please please do uh speak to your mm. you know and breakfast has a great website there's a great website full of lots of good quality resources there's articles there's podcasts there's various different teachings so you know by all means point your pastor minister vicar to to that resource so they can make up their own minds they can sort of weigh it and uh yeah have the time to really engage with that so yeah, yeah. yeah and obviously you know tim and i are really happy just to 
jump on a phone call, whatever, with church leaders. We're happy just to talk it through, informal chat, and just you know uh, hear hear any concerns or questions and and and, and take it from there. Um, yeah, thank you. That's 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 helpful. Now let's talk a little bit about the the necessity and the power of biblical teaching. Why why is it imperative that churches teach on this? You know, teach from the front, all the people of God, and and what difference does that make? You know, why 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 are we committed to this? Why do we believe in in Bible teaching? What's what's that got to do with you know what some people might see as just well, this is just some social issue. It's a political issue. It's whatever social justice. What? But why? Why is this actually imperative for churches to teach on? Well, there's a there's a whole range of of kind of points in answering that question, Dave. I, I think you know when if you look at the new testament when paul is is on his kind of is is heading towards heading towards the end of his life and and is in his giving a kind of last address to the uh elders in, in ephesus so we're in acts 20 here and one of the things he says to them is um those gathered elders is he says that he didn't sort of he didn't um hold back from from declaring to them the whole counsel of god okay what does that mean the whole counsel of god well i think it means the the teaching of the whole scriptures which of course primarily at that point would have been the old testament but you know so church leaders preachers are called to declare the whole counsel of god the whole teaching of the bible and that means the bits that are, that are hard that are difficult that are offensive to us let, let alone our culture as well as the bits you know the favored passages the favorite favored biblical books that we might gravitate to you know, a lot of seems to me a, a lot of preachers of whatever the denomination they seem to really have essentially one one sermon, one message, and I think that's a bit crazy, really. When you when we're exhorted actually uh, by the scriptures, by the Bible, to address every aspect of doctrine and and ethics. Okay, so you know, there's, and the Bible's a big book. There's there's lots in there. It isn't it isn't just one. You know. Uh, one sermon which you rehash each week really changing the anecdotes every now and again and you know the bible makes it very clear doesn't it that we that human beings are made in god's image and likeness we are precious to him and we have very detailed scriptures really about when that creation happens um which is really in the womb you know so you go to job 10 8 to 12 you go to psalm 139 which probably most people do know that scripture verses 13 to 16 about god's involvement god's real close um intimate involvement if you like in fetal formation that god knows the person he, he knows them even as an embryo now of course he knows he knows us before we're conceived you know god sees the beginning from the end you know but but he certainly knows us when we're in the womb and elsewhere you know i've mentioned this scripture several times job 31 13 to 15 we read that god makes all people in this way not just the Davids, the Jeremiah's, the John the Baptist's, the ones that kind of uh, perhaps more famous in Scripture, if you like. So, so I think there's very little biblical ambiguity actually about the fact that God creates, God loves uh, the child in the womb. And if you sort of, if you look at Jesus' life and ministry, now of course Jesus, uh, Jesus is Jewish. He's raised in that Jewish culture, which loved children, which I think regarded children as one of God's greatest gifts to us. You know. Psalm 127, Psalm 128, children are a, a heritage from the Lord, a reward. Um, and 
Christ, of course, goes out of his way to uh, interact with children, to, to welcome children. A lot of the healings in the Gospels, interestingly, are healings of children. Um, mm -hmm. And of course, he has to correct his disciples on numerous occasions about their view of children, actually. And he also uses children as almost teaching illustrations, if you like, about how we receive and enter into the kingdom of, of God. So I think, you know, can we, taking those things on board that the Bible teaches about the unborn child, that Jesus uh, loved all children uh, so that children are precious to God. Can we honestly, hand on heart, say, well, do you know what? I don't think God's really fussed about 200,000 plus children being killed every year in the UK. That's over 800 every working day, precious image bearers. Yeah, I'm sure Jesus is cool with that. I'm sure he's got other things that we would rather be, his, he'd rather have his church, you know, advocating for, agitating for. You know, this is a massive issue, Dave. Uh, yeah. You know, we talk about God's heart a lot, don't we, in church as well. This is a massive issue. And I believe prophetically um, for the church to be a voice, not just kind of within the echo chamber of, of, of the Christian world, but into society as a whole, I believe we are absolutely called to speak on this. And, and also, to be honest, I believe we'll be judged on our willingness to do so. Now, you know, again, we talk a lot about being prophetic in church circles, don't we? And, and, and I would I would suggest, humbly suggest that what that doesn't, necessarily mean is simply parroting the world's narrative simply mirroring what the world is saying about things like climate change you know i'm not sure you're ever going to get persecuted for preaching a sermon on climate change i think there's a good chance you will get a lot of opposition if you stand up and start speaking about abortion within the pulpit and on street corners outside abortion centers all the rest of it but I, but I think, you know, I think that is what the faithful church is, is called to do. And, um, you know, there's that great quote from Martin Luther that if the church is, you know, the church can be completely orthodox and sound, but if it's silent on that one issue, that one issue that the world is currently attacking and wants it to sort of toe the politically correct party line on, if it's silent on that one issue, then in a way it's failing uh, to, in its vocation really, to be, God's voice in the world, and I would suggest perhaps the rest of its orthodoxy isn't worth a huge amount. Um, and of course, so, you know, that's what I believe. I think that's probably not unlike what you believe. So then we come to the point of why it is that so few Christians or so few churches will go near this issue. So few churches want to do any kind of preaching and teaching on abortion you ask the question well what is it that's holding them back um and so i guess in a, in a in a word it's 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 fear you know it is the fear of men it is the fear of the world it's the fear if we're honest of people saying nasty things about us um and we all want to be liked, don't we i, I get that you know i'm no different the, the problem is of course is that christianity as a faith promises us quite a lot that we're going to be not just disliked, but hated. Mm. Uh, and in a, in a way, the more faithful we are, the more we're going to be hated. Um, so, so if we if we just want people to say nice things about us and like us, we're probably in the wrong. We've probably got the wrong religion to start with. But I guess you know those pastors, those church leaders who do have some courage, who do want to you know touch on some of those difficult issues, not just the issues that the culture is kind of with us on 
I guess they they tend to, you know, as we all do, we tend to pick our issues, pick our battles. And it may be that simply abortion is, 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 isn't very high on that list or it's seen as simply too hot to handle. And again, I think a key part of that, Dave, is that our culture has been so successful in schooling us into thinking that this is a this is a women's issue, pure and simple. OK, this is a women's issue. And of course, most ministers tend to be male, whether that's some theological conviction or whether it's just the way the church is. So most ministers tend to be male. And, you know, so they are going to be very wary, very reticent of standing up in the pulpit and addressing themselves to this women's issue because they're going to think they're going to get all sorts of um, heat from their own congregation, let alone the wider society. Now, of course, the fact that 50% of the babies killed in abortion are male doesn't seem to register at this point. It's still, we've, we've swallowed this narrative that it is a women's issue. So I think that's definitely one factor of why most ministers kind of stay away from it, really. Um, they don't want to be seen as patriarchal, chauvinistic, sexist, all those kind of scare words, you know, um, that we've been very successfully drilled into thinking we will be labelled if we go go near this really yeah thank you for, for for laying out some of those i'd like to revisit those in a second but before we do that i just want to um just highlight the the gravity of the problem here um when i came into this work full time uh, and i i shared with a number of of People have been doing pro-life work for for years, even decades, uh, both both here in the UK, but but even more so those in the states. And I met pro-lifer after pro-lifer who were, to be honest, and this is just being really honest about where they were at. They they're basically given up. They'd given up on the church. They they just said, "I've tried for years to get the church to see this," you know. And I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say they were going so far as to say, "Don't bother," but it was kind of like good luck to you you know i asked yeah. one guy who's been uh, he's been in this for decades that's in this country someone who's been in this work for for decades i said tell me how do you how do you get churches to bear how do you get churches to sit up and do something like this he said you tell me you know this this is a sort of a guy who's old enough to be my my father um he's been doing this longer than i've been alive and uh and he would he feels as though he's got almost almost nowhere with churches and now I've 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 refused to um you know to to give up I've refused to be uh, defeatist with the church because the church is God's plan A and there is no plan B you know I'm utterly committed to the local church utterly committed to biblical teaching there is no other way actually we're going to see an end to this and I, I I look through the history of social reform and I see I see two sort of two um patterns going alongside each other you know you look at the transatlantic slave trade or you look at what's going on what happened in, in the 1930s and 40s uh, in, in nazi germany and what you see is the mainline institutional church resists change to the status quo um many christians don't want to know about it there's fear they want to stay in and they'll justify that in sort of evangelistic terminology you know we don't want to burn bridges we want want to have a, a hearing for the gospel and so on and sometimes that's sincere sometimes it's dishonest sometimes we're being dishonest and we're not aware of the fact we're being dishonest but uh, you've got that on the one hand and yet on the other hand you have got the lord's people you've got the wilberforces the thomas clarksons you've got bonhoeffer uh, and so on those who do stand up and it's so easy in hindsight to look back with clarity and say thank god that bonhoeffer thank god that wilberforce clarkson the rest 
saw this as not a peripheral issue, be it the transatlantic slave trade or the persecution of the Jews. And they, as you said, they, they saw it as the gospel issue of their day because that's where the battle was. And, and, and so they rallied all their, their, their strengths and powers uh, behind this issue um, and stood on orthodoxy on the point where it counted in their day. And, it's, and I think you know, rarely will I come across a, a, a professing believer today, an evangelical Christian, whatever, who will look back on those instances and say now, oh, Wilberforce, you know, he was getting so distracted on secondary issues or, you know, Bonhoeffer, well, you know, couldn't he have just preached the gospel? We know in hindsight they did the right thing. And yet when you're in the moment, it's harder, isn't it? And it's it's easy to say, well, you know, I've got other priorities, pick my battles. Um, so we 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 will not we we will never give up on the local church because that's god's plan a that's how this is going to happen and that's why we're here that's 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 what we're here to help with so you mentioned some of the the obstacles there and, and largely it's fear um but i really want to uh i really want to um i really want to just uh home in really on 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 the pastors out there who who are convicted they do want to teach on this they 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 know they need to uh, and yet still they they find themselves unable to um and sometimes that is still a, a problem in the heart as it were a fear issue sometimes it's a problem in the head they they don't fully understand maybe the gravity of this issue that they're not aware of the stats maybe that they they're not quite sure um when exactly life begins theologically and stuff like that so so sometimes it's a, an intellectual issue sometimes it's a heart issue but sometimes, if I can put it this way, it's a sort of hands issue. It's sort of they don't feel equipped. They don't feel like they they know how to approach this and kind of tackle it. And I don't use the word fix, you know, in terms of, you know, sort of glibly. But, you know, how do you attack this problem? You know, how do I teach from the front in a way that isn't going to make things worse or cause confusion or or whatever? So I, I want us just to address in the, these last few minutes that those pastors, the pastors who they love the word of God, they love their flock. They they love God's creation, they they want to do something, um, but they they sort of feel, but but what they're kind of paralysed, maybe a bit by fear, but maybe also just I don't know what to do, and I, and I think people can relate to that in a sort of parallel world when it comes to evangelism. You know, people believe the gospel, they believe the lost need to hear, but they kind of where do I how do I start? What you know how do I get into a conversation about this or, or what if I don't know how to answer their questions? So what what can we do practically or what kind of um what's our offer slash what are the tips we can give uh to pastors who are hearing this or to those who are passing this on to their pastors you want to do something but you you, you don't know what next yeah no thanks dave that's really it's really important i mean just 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 before we get launched into that i, I mean just going back to the whole sort of you know social reform and you know it, it's very rare that you'd hear someone say to a church leader or a Christian that was involved, say, in a food bank or in a cap, you know, Christians Against Poverty, you know, what on earth are you doing? This is a distraction from the gospel. This is a distraction from the kingdom. This is just, you, you know, we can't really see the connection here. You know, because to me, pro-life work is part and parcel of kingdom ministry. Yep. It is part of what God calls us. Uh, to do and you think of like Matthew 25 you know you saw me hungry and in prison and, and naked and stuff you know 
if if we can't see if we don't have the imagination to see the unborn child as in need of our help as you know without someone to to speak out on their behalf then then i think we, we really are in trouble so for me this is you know before anything this is part of part of the kingdom of god part of part of kingdom ministry actually you know and, and the kingdom i would define as the kind of reign and rule of jesus of the lord jesus and of course that's in individual hearts uh supremely when people are saved and come into a relationship with god it's through church congregations but it's also through those congregations being salt and light in society you know what does that mean well it of course it implies first of all that the world is a pretty dark and rotten place um and so so the church is called to be salt and light within villages towns cities up up and down the land um and just as something like a food bank something like christians against poverty has actually a huge potential not just to not just to kind of um you know fill fill hungry stomachs but but to give offer people spiritual food you know the bread of life that lasts forever then of course we've and i don't want to repeat stuff we've done in previous podcasts or that you've done in previous podcasts but you know this ministry has huge potential for the gospel for the message of god's healing uh god's salvation of god's complete and total forgiveness no matter what you've done um no matter sort of who you are you know if we if we do understand abortion for what it is and without mincing our words it is killing your own children then that's something that requires the forgiveness of god nothing else is going to wash away that that sin is it really so so if we don't want to touch this as a church if we don't want to touch this as church leaders i think we are essentially condemning you know one in three women and their partners to some sort of limbo spiritual limbo where they think well i can't speak about this i can't ever raise this i you know is this the unforgivable sin that i've committed no it isn't but we if we just don't touch it as church leaders and we kind of put it in that category mm -hmm. so so i think there are profound before anything else there are profound pastoral reasons why we should be uh, speaking about abortion why we should be speaking about the unborn child there's profound social issues why why we shouldn't going back to some of what i was saying previously i think the church needs to be taking a lead in shaping the narrative you know and this is not just abortion day of course this is you know we are in a full-on culture war in the uk and you know our institutions government civil service mainstream media education including parts of the church have, have, have kind of gone woke if you like and and so where are people going to hear a contrary narrative to that well i think if they're not hearing in the pulpit there's not going to be many other places where they are so so i think it you know it is beholden on church leaders to be drawing from a different well to be to be to be kind of shaping a different narrative a different worldview really um that as i say takes issue with some of those prejudices against life against the family against marriage and against religious freedom and that that takes abortion out of this kind of just well it's just a reproductive justice issue it, it's just a women's issue mm. and actually sees now these are human lives involved this is not simply about a woman's body this mm. is about the body of another human being who is growing inside that woman's womb at the time we need to be clear this isn't about this isn't about naming and shaming people this is about saving life okay you know pro-life churches pro-life christians don't hate women they don't hate women who've aborted their children they often run post-abortion counseling services they're offering prayer support uh pastoral care to those women but we do want future women and girls who are considering abortion or being coerced into abortion to see that there is another way that they have a choice they have a choice okay 
but not a choice as the abortion providers uh, um, that their propaganda machine have taught them to understand that choice is simply a kind of euphemism for killing their children so so preaching on abortion is only ever one plank of a much larger mm. strategy mm. but but i think it is important and i think you know without some focused and and faithful biblical teaching on this i think that the, the whole the church is never really going to kind of get off the ground but but absolutely it can't sort of stop at preaching it's about equipping christians to advocate to maybe be involved in a pregnancy crisis center to be involved in maybe street display work to maybe write to their mp the next time there's a there's a vote in parliament you know and going back to your evangelism example it is scary it is you know we've all been there but i think consistently you know, when we, it's like peter stepping out of the boat when we step out of the boat when we make that first move god is gracious god is kind he is there with us he takes us by the hand and he kind of you know leads us leads us leads us gently on really um mm -hmm. and as i say i think if you know for christians who are absolutely just passionate about the gospel they just you know they're evangelists at heart a bit like you dave i think it provides huge opportunity huge evangelistic opportunity um talk about you know these are these are big questions these are matters of life death you know what is a human being when does a human being begin what rights do we have to kind of take away life and all the rest of it these are opportunities to talk about some of the biggest things uh that we can talk about so yeah i know it's not easy i know it's you know has a bit is a bit scary we've been taught to kind of not go near it um but but i would just say say pray and step out in faith anyway and and brefos is there to kind of walk with you and to partner with you to support you and to you know do all we can to to help you d do this well really yeah, so, yeah. And, and and on that just just very practically to put it very simply um all a church needs to do is say yes to doing this and we will come and do it for you we'll come and do it with you we'll resource you to do it we'll give you the 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 slides the 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 script that whatever whatever you want we can help you so if what's blocking you is i don't know what to do that's okay that's why we're here and um, if you're just willing if you're just willing to say yes then then we can make it happen and, and we've only got literally 40 seconds left on this zoom call so i'm going to be really quick now um i've been to about i don't know 60 or 70 so churches now there's always more apprehension before the event than, than after people are a bit nervous before what you know pastors often say to me oh, i wasn't sure how you're going to handle this but afterwards they're they're reassured they're grateful because i always been with the gospel and the gospel is big enough for this mm. so tim where can people find you so uh tim.lewis at breathos.org or as i say head to the breathos website and yeah um shoot me an email I'd be more than happy to hear from you delighted to hear from you brilliant well thank you so much tim uh, please do pass this on to your pastor. If you're not a pastor, if you are a pastor, get in touch. We'd love to help you. And Tim or I or one of the others can come and speak in your church.